Earth podcast with your host, Jake Weaver, engineered by Cedric Swan. Hey, everybody, we are back with another episode of Midnight on Earth. I'm your host, Jake Weaver, and we're here to bring you more knowledge, more lights, and more love. Well, today we're going to learn about some amazing things, some amazing scientific breakthroughs that happened at the turn of the 20th century that I personally had no idea about. It's going to be a very enlightening episode. We have Dr. Stephen A. Ross here today. We're going to be talking about his book, Rife Original Frequencies and the Mysterious Nemascope. It's going to be so cool. We're going to talk to him in just a second. But first, I need you to do something for me. Follow me on Instagram at midnight underscore on underscore earth. That is the address. You can follow me there. Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, wherever you go to get your podcasts, click that button that connects us so you know exactly what is going on when it happens. And of course, tell a friend, tell someone that you know that loves these type of podcasts. Word of mouth is so huge. You know my frequency. We're going to be talking about frequencies. You know my frequency. You know those people in your lives, including yourself, that have that similar frequency. Match that frequency. Match those frequencies for me. Bring them here. Midnightsonearth.com. Okay, so we're just about to talk to Stephen Ross, but let me read his bio. Stephen A. Ross, Ph.D., is co-founder and CEO of the World Research Foundation. For 50 years, he has researched and lectured around the world. He has delivered more than 250 lectures and has made presentations to various worldwide government agencies, hospital associations, and consulted for the insurance industry. He has acted as an expert witness for the city of Los Angeles and consults with scientific researchers around the world. Steve has an active interest in esoteric subjects and has delivered hundreds of presentations in all areas of philosophy and subtle energy subjects. His life has been varied and exciting from playing beach volleyball with the famous basketball legend Wilt Chamberlain to spending time in European castles, home of ancient alchemists. Having had unusual experiences in his early 20s, he is as comfortable in metaphysical areas as he is in scientific pursuits. Steve has been led around the world through dreams and visions and credits this venue for the acquisition of the incredible holdings existing within the World Research Foundation Worldwide Network. Steve is contemplating a future book dealing with his many life experiences, and he's here with us now to talk about his life experience of the moment. Dr. Stephen Ross. Stephen, hello. Thank you for being here. Hi there, Jake. Thank you. Do you think all that you read and my travels is why I don't have any hair on my head? 
It's possible. People, if you're listening to this, Steve does not have a lot of hair. Look, I have plenty of hair for you. I have all Here of the hair go, most people need. So they- <laughs> thank you so much for that intro. And thank you for having me on your show. Oh, I'm super honored you're here. Your book is amazing. Your life is amazing. So I have to ask you, though, in your bio said you had unusual experiences in your early 20s. Tell me about that. What happened in your early 20s? What are these unusual experiences? Well, I met a Cherokee uh, Indian who was a full trans medium. And through this individual, I was told all my future guidance would come in my dreams. And I had a a math science background. Uh, I was very far away from dreams. I, I didn't recall my dreams. But I was told all that guidance would be there. So after that, I went about one week, Jake, without sleeping because I was so anxious to have a dream that I couldn't get to sleep at the right state. But after one week, I had a dream. And that dream was I heard a voice say, what kind of animal is Steve? And a finger in the dream pointed to a book of animals. Now, before I tell you what picture it pointed to, I recognized the voice as one of my teammates on a six-man volleyball team. And I thought everything was good. So even though I was at the time 23, I called him up and I go, Bob, is, is there something bothering you about me? And he goes, no. Second time, Bob, is there anything you need to no. Third time, he says, are you sick? What, what? What's your problem? Now, I didn't know why I said, I want to be a better person. And then he goes, yes, there is something that's bothered me. My heart was just beating wildly, Jake. And I go, what? He said, do you remember what you did to our teammate, Harold? And I said, no. And he said, Harold was our seventh teammate. When he would come into the game and made mistakes, you would glare at him. You didn't say anything. You glared at him. Now, Bob continues. When Harold and I went out for pizza, he would throw up because he couldn't win your approval, and I thought you were a real hog. Now, what was the picture in the book? It was a hog. And I hung up, and after that, I had four to six dreams every night for three months on every phase of my personality, likes and dislikes. And then I started getting telephone numbers, just telephone numbers. And the next morning, I would look at what I wrote. I would call the number and someone would say, we're waiting for you. We have something. Now, Jake, I realize you have listeners, so you have to tell them, what is behind me here? Because there's 20,000 volumes dating to 1492 from following the telephone calls and visions. Wow. So I, yes, people, for people that are listening, I'm seeing what is behind Stephen, which is his library of over 30,000 books dating back to the 1400s on various metaphysical esoteric topics and you're saying almost every one of these was guided by some dream or some situation that was got you were you were guided to the book and when we get in a little bit into the rife microscope 
I'm hoping I can blow some follicles of your hair out of your head. (laughs) (laughs) I think we can. So tell me about how you started accumulating these books. So the Cherokee native, the medicine man, I imagine tells you about this. You have these experiences and then you're drawn to these books. Yes. Well, there were two streams that have led to uh, my (laughs) beginnings here. One of them was I was on athletic scholarship uh, at my university running 100 meters, 200 meters. And at the time, I sustained a knee injury and was sent to the sports physician for the Rams, Dodgers and Lakers. Uh, Dr. Robert Curlin said I couldn't compete again unless I had knee surgery. Well, for a second opinion, I was sent to UCLA. And I'm so old that Kareem Jabbar was playing for John Wooden. And he said, you have to have surgery. Well, I was very dejected. I went back to my trainer's room, found a popular mechanics magazine. It has nothing to do with medicine, but in it was an article of a technique from Russia. And I called Dr. Curlin. I was 19. Dr. Curlin, will this work? No, that is holistic garbage. It's crap. It will never work. I decided, Jake, to use it myself. I missed four weeks of training. And then that year, I finished fifth in the United States, small college for my running events, planted a seed. Why did this expert say something was garbage? And what other things exist in this world that we aren't told about in America? So me going out, finding techniques, and then the esoteric leanings in my dreams, I was told to find certain books, to study people, In fact, I had a reoccurring dream, strangely enough, in a library. And there was a line of people in the dream, and at the front of the line was a podium. And I would get to the front and look up, and this man would go, we would now like you to study Paracelsus. We want you. And that is how I began following and amassing what what you described in the library here. So why do you feel like it was you directly? Why do you feel like these ethereal entities worked through their dimension to contact you directly? That You must have some special purpose. When people ask me that, I'd like to tell them this. Even though I had my math science background, I knew nothing about esoteric, I knew nothing about dreams, I made the effort to call that fellow and ask him what was bothering. So here's what I'd like to say. What does Nike say? Just do it. I followed through and I have continued to follow through. I can give you other examples that probably are very pertinent. In fact, I I am going to give you another example. About six years into the subject, I'm about 29. People started calling and asked me, because they had realized I had been reading and studying, if I would just talk to groups of people. And I would say, well, what do you want me to talk about? And they go, we just want you to talk about esoteric. Well, my friend Joanna Modesto said, Steve, would you come from L.A. to Modesto 
and speak to a small group of people. I said, okay. So I go down and there's about 30 people in this woman's home. My friend had told her friend, would you host this? Well, throughout the whole evening, I was doing my thing and talking. But every time I looked at the woman whose house it was, she looked perplexed. Well, we break up. My friend Joanne and I helped clean her house. And as we're walking out to drive away, I turned to her. And this is what I said. I wish I was an Oscar Mayer wiener. The woman breaks and starts crying. And my friend Joanne looks and goes, oh, my God, why is my friend Stephen, who I'm holding up as a spiritual. Now, here's the story. We get her back in the house. She said, I was watching you talking and joking and lighthearted, talking about spiritual. But I couldn't get that stupid commercial out of my mind all night. And when you said that, I knew that you knew that you had the goods. So I followed through with what spirit has given me. Do you think in my right mind, Jake, I would turn to a complete stranger and say, I wish I was an Oscar Mayer wiener. <laughs> you know, if you're trying to be a funny guy or just quirky, sure. But obviously there was a, something else behind it, right? Of course. <laughs> of course. I'm aware of the entities around. Um, I believe very heavily in spiritual guidance, uh, in my dreams and visions. Various entities have introduced themselves to me. Uh, I have seen my past lives. I have been taken to the lifetimes of people in the past. And things are written about some of these people out of books. But I have been able to experience. And again, this is my perspective. And Jake, let me tell you a very, very quick story about perspective, if it's okay with you. Of course, yes. Aristotle was walking along the Mediterranean and he sees a figure in the distance with a bucket going to the Mediterranean, filling it and pouring it in a hole. So when he gets close, he realizes it's the town madman. And he says, what are you doing? And the man says, I am going to empty all this water so I can see the blue green bottom. So Aristotle says, hey, how are you going to get all of that water into that little hole? And the man looked at him, scratched his head, and said, great philosopher, what are you doing? And Aristotle says, I am contemplating the universe. And the man said, how are you going to get all of that in that little head of yours? <laughs> it's a matter of perspective. So everything we say today is only my perspective. Absolutely. And I think that that's the beauty of the divine experience is that it is in a way, a personalized experience, your relationship yes. with those higher entities and even source itself is an individual, very personal relationship. So you have yeah. these understandings, you grow from knowledge and you put the pieces together and, and maybe it makes sense. But a lot of it, again, is like you're saying, it's a personal experience, but we can learn from each other's personal experience because because there is resonance. I think that because we are humans, we have similar experiences. So that resonance, those resonance points are where we can learn from each other. Yes, very much so. And of course, there is another story and I am full of stories. And this story awesome. is there, 
there is a businessman in whatever city. And one day he goes, oh, no, I've got to know. There's got to be more to existence than this. So he says to one of his business mates, where do I go for more information? My purpose. And the man says, hey, there's a metaphysical bookstore down the street. So the man rushes down there and goes, I I want to know the secret of the universe, why I'm here, what's my purpose, can you help me? And they go, oh, you need to go to the Himalayas and talk with the yogis. So the man immediately goes, he flies over there, he starts climbing mountains, it's the wrong time of year, he passes out in the snow. When he opens his eyes again, there's a group of people around the yogis, and they go and they said, what are you doing? And they said, I am here for the answer, my purpose. Can you tell me, is it here? No, it's not here. What? Well, where is it? What city did you come from? Whatever city, that (laughs) is the answer. Because wherever you are is the answer to what you're seeking. Exactly what you just said, Jay. Individual contact. Yes, and that is really important to have that personal experience to truly have a personal experience. That's when things click. A lot of people have kind of spiritual experiences, but then they filter them through religion, the religion that they were brought up in and that being kind of distorted information as it is, none of it makes sense. So then they just put it away. But that direct experience with the divine, that that's when the activation takes place, I believe. And, and it's a matter, and, and you're, you're so right on, hey, your audience is lucky they have you. You are, <laughs> you are right on because our belief systems is, is what limits, limits us. If somebody wants to believe that you have to be in intense meditation, have a guru, and it's going to take 10 years to manifest gifts, guess what? That's what's going to happen. But the transcendentalists were hugging trees and having cosmic consciousness just by hugging trees. So whatever somebody believes. Now, I read a book when I was actually two years into the subject. I was 25. It's the Yogi Aphorisms of Pantajali that writes, and this was written about three or 400 A.D., Everything that a human being would be capable of manifesting with intense yoga training and a guru. Well, within three days, I experienced every single thing in that book. Every single thing from the bivocation and the levit, everything to show me that whatever your belief system is, is what's going to manifest. And there are very well-meaning religions and philosophies, but as the revelator passes away, the people left try to keep it alive, keep the buildings there, and slowly some of this is lost, and new belief systems are put in place. So I believe make no boundaries. 
Absolutely not, because the mind itself is connected directly to source. Therefore, it has that infinite power. We just have yeah. to learn as humans how to direct it. Obviously, we can't fully embody it other than being spiritual people. It's not like we can take on that much energy, but we can learn to open up enough to direct it. What do you think about that? I mean, is there limitations to the human experience? Are we here to just learn a certain bandwidth of information, which is the human experience and then move on through the cosmos, through our soul's journey. But is the human experience itself limited in a certain way? Uh, I believe not. I believe it's just what I said about belief systems. Uh, I have traveled around the world uh, meeting a lot of different people, the majority who have never written a book, they are not giving courses, they are not asking for money, so you get a fourth degree this, a fifth degree this, a master, they just do unusual things. And that was part of my training, because I have worked with people who have had gifts, but don't know what to do with them. No, there is no limit except what we visualize now. The golden chain of philosophers, that is the reference to the platonic belief that the wisdom has been handed down and handed down and hand, handed down. They believe that we are here to become in harmony with nature, but to transcend our senses to what we believe. Because it's our senses in that belief, Jake, that are limiting us by saying, oh, only the people in the East can do this. Oh, only somebody uh, who's this age or this sex or this can do this. These are the preconceived. And if we have time to get into P.P. Quimby, who in the 1800s was the greatest proponents of thought and belief and what could happen, he is really the father of the New Thought Movement. We'll get into what he said and what he discovered. Wow, yes, I'd love to. I love everything about the New Thought Movement, actually. I'm a big proponent of it because it does, like you said, open up the human potential to the infinite. Yes, absolutely. So did you want to, as you and I are drifting on the current, I'm going to follow your guidance. I, I could share a little bit about this P.P. Quimby, or we can go, you are the director of our symphony <laughs> right now. You are the steering master. We are doing exactly what we're supposed to do right now. It's so beautiful. That's the thing. We're just having this conversation wherever it flows is the right place. We're going to get back to the book, no problem. But I would like to learn a little bit about P.P. Quimby. He's, you're saying he's the father of new thought. Yes, P.P. Quimby, Parker's Phineas Quimby in the 1800s, he was a clockmaker by profession. And all of a sudden, the rage became animal magnetism or the early forerunner of hypnosis. And he was so amazed at what he was reading in, in some of the books that were coming out that within his town of Portland, Maine, was a man named Lucius Burkhart, who, as it's written up, was a little slow, but he probably was the greatest hypnotic subject of all time. Quimby could put Lucius into a hypnotic trance, and he started doing all these experiments. <clears throat> they would come to the bed of someone who was ill, and Lucius in trance would be able to prescribe what this person needed. Or they would have a big gathering in a town hall in a city, 
and somebody would say, I have bear- taken a note, put it in a safe, it's sitting on a boat in a harbor, let's see if your Lucius can read it. And Lucius would proceed to read it perfectly. So Quimby was going, oh my gosh, this this is truly amazing. Now one day, and he, this is uh, Quimby explaining, he didn't realize he had left Lucius in a trance in his home. I don't know how, but he started to walk out. And Lucius, Lucius says, hey, don't forget your top hat. It's going to rain. Well, Lucius was in another room. He didn't know Quimby was going to go. And Quimby said, wait a minute. I didn't even have to say what I wanted him to do. So from then on, Quimby only directed Lucius by thought, never saying. So when they would do anything, somebody would say, we want this done. Quimby wouldn't tell Lucius. He would just think it, and Lucius would pick it up. Now, Quimby thought Lucius had a habit of sucking on lemons. So one day, Quimby says, I am going to visualize lemon after lemon. And Lucius began throwing up and getting sick because Quimby was just visualizing Lucius sucking lemon after lemon. So Quimby said, thought is like the aroma of a rose. You can't see it, but it's there. It is pervasive for all of us. Every thought is leaving everyone's mind. This is right up your alley, how we are all one, how we are all influencing, how the thoughts of people are just spreading out and out. Now, Quimby eventually discovered He didn't even need Lucius anymore. He was able to train himself to sit by somebody. And Jake, you would come to me, Quimby, and say, Quimby, Jake, don't tell me what you have. I am going to tell you every problem you have and where it started. And if I do, will you believe I know what you have? And person would go, of course, I have to tell the doctor what's wrong with me. You are telling me before I tell you. And so he would not only tell the person the problem, he would tell them where they got it from. Was it not true that five Sundays ago, the minister said, if you have dirty thoughts about another woman, your pee-pee is going to have a problem. Oh, my gosh. That's exactly when it started because it had been programmed in. Everything is programming. So Quimby decided, I am not going to believe anything unless I can see it myself. But here was the biggest breakthrough. Every book on animal magnetism said, you cannot hypnotize a subject during an electrical storm. And nobody could until one day, Quimby and Lucius finished the session, and it was the best they ever did. And Quimby said, it was a raging storm. What? Another belief system. And then after that, everybody could hypnotize people in an electrical storm. And now let's bring it closer. Roger Bannister. Nobody can run four-minute mile or their skin's going to separate from their joints. I mean, this is what they believe. And nobody, the greatest athletes, four minutes in one tent. It's impossible. You would have to have a perfect day, no wind, 
perfect temperature, great competition. Roger Bannister in the rain, into a headwind, 359.4. And then in 1954, within three months, six athletes did it. Why believe? Yes. I know that story very well. That's one of the greatest examples of the power of paradigms. We talk about this a lot on this show. Paradigms are so instrumental. There's good and bad paradigms. But what it really says is that there is a foundational force that is you. And it has infinite power. But we limit that power based on the information we're receiving from outside sources that we deem as authoritative or from on high or some sort of outside source that we feel is vindicated. Yes, it's coming from outside authority figure, whatever that manifests as. So therefore they're right. And that's what I'm going to put as the program of my interface with reality itself. But because of that, that also says that if we can understand that power, if we can get a hold of that understanding, we can reprogram ourselves and reprogram the reality that we live in on a microcellular, actually beyond matter itself, before matter, that energetic state, infinite intelligence, whatever you want to call it, that pre-energy, we have the power to write the code that makes the reality we live in. Absolutely. Now, normally I would finish with this dream I had, but it is so apropos because of how you open this door with this thought. And this is right before one of my presentations in Sedona, I had the following dream. I was walking along the ocean with all of the seekers in the world. To my left was the ocean. In front of me, I saw a figure of a woman in blue with a microphone. As I got closer, I noticed it was the goddess Sophia, the goddess of wisdom. But to her left or my right was a horseshoe stands with all of the people with their books and their courses. And this is the truth. And this is the only way smoke was coming out of their mouths, obliterating the beautiful Sophia. And for one minute, I thought, what are we all supposed to do if these people are, I didn't say they're wrong, they're clouding the truth. And a big wind blew off the ocean. And I heard the following from spirit. All one needs is a beautiful heart, an open mind, and a humble spirit. Wow. A beautiful heart, an open mind, and a humble spirit, and you will receive what you need. Because that frequency, those three things that you talk about, that frequency that that sets up is truth itself, and therefore you will attract truth into your life. And that'll show up in all different kinds of ways, there but the go. spiritual truth that will take you to the next state of your personal evolution. Absolutely. You, you are spot on. I'm going to tell them again. They're lucky they have you. <laughs> I, have, I have some hosts that they go, hey, just say anything, but they're not into the topic. You're into the topic. You do understand everything is a rate of vibration and frequency. And that dream and those words really say it all. An open heart or being a heart full of beauty, a mind where you just don't limit. And um, 
when you follow this, the, the beautiful heart, the open mind, and just humble. It was Paracelsus, the great alchemist, the greatest of the greatest alchemists in the early 1500, been a, a an influence and a guide for me. Here's what he said. You sit humbly before any plant or herb. You sit humbly and you ask and be open. And that herb will tell you what it's good for. It will, it will speak to you when you are humble and open. And it's the same whether we, we talk about any aspect of life. The people that are open. It was Paracelsus who, who made such incredible discoveries. An individual in his town in the 1500s decided to get away from everybody, locked himself in his cabin, blocked all the windows and doors, and the townspeople after a week got worried, and they broke in and found the man dead. Now, in those days, they couldn't figure out, well, he had food. Why did he die? It was Paracelsus who figured out there was something in the air. And so he reasoned this. Any time that you break up, you block a flow of anything, you end up with stagnation, blockage, and death. And whether it was the air in the cabin, or politics, or religion, or philosophy, or anything else you can name, when you limit and block the free flow of energy and vital nutrients, stagnation and death. Yes, and stagnation is, it's against the flow of the universe. The flow of the universe is expansion. It's moving outward. Stagnation is not in harmony with the universe itself. Absolutely. And here was another great, incredible uh, awakening of Paracelsus. And again, you're, you're talking 1520s. Paracelsus, where he grew up, there was a pond outside their cabin. And during the winter, the pond would be frozen and the fish were way down. Now, during the summer, it got so hot, the pond was almost bubbling and the fish were down. And Paracelsus wondered, wait a minute, the sun is still the sun. The earth has not changed. Why is this happening? Why? Because of relationships. The angle of the sun and the earth are different, and it's relationships rather than just substance that make what happens between people. Now, two people, partners, can fight like cats and dogs. <laughs> they separate, they come with new people, and everything's great. Why, if they didn't change? The relationship of one thing to another. It's all about vibrational relationships, one thing to another. The earth didn't change. The sun didn't change. But the relationship changed. And so just think of this guy in the 1500s. Oh, yes, Paracelsus. Why? No, we know Paracelsus bombastic, of course. He's the creator of the word bombastic, <laughs> and he was a bombastic character. We've definitely delved into Paracelsus on one of the episodes. Actually, the Spagyrics episode, uh, we talked about Paracelsus quite a bit. I, we have his collected writings from 1590 in the library here. <laughs> uh, a tremendous amount of his writings, and he was one of the first 
spirits. And again, remember my Aristotle story, my first spirits to bring me information, to take me to different places was Paracelsus. Really? And guiding you to the books as well? Yes, of course. So what were some of the books that Paracelsus wanted you to find? He has directed me to uh, many, many books on the Renaissance and individuals for me to broaden my horizons because, of course, his books and very few, only 15% of his writings in German have ever been translated into English. And so I have been guided to writings and internal messages from him that did not even appear in books. And so I made little notebooks of the words that he shared with me. So it was much more of him coming through with his philosophy than just somebody who wrote a book in 1950 thinking they know this guy from 1520. I mean, even when you think about these things, Jay, um, and people are trying, I'm kind of a dinosaur. Uh, We want to get as much as we can, if possible, to learn more from the time than somebody right. Hey, I understand this guy. Yeah, I I know perfectly what he was doing. I I understand this. I'm smarter. I'm better. Same thing with with Rife when we get into it. It's about knowing the flavor of the time. What made these people tick? And here's really what he told me. I was to learn as much about the personality and lifestyle of the philosophers as well as their philosophy, which would then make sense. Yes, because a lot of people hear the philosophy, they can extrapolate certain things, but you have to understand the root of it, what they were going through, their life struggles, the times, everything, the entire atmosphere actually all contributed to the foundation of that philosophy. Especially, and I hope people don't think I'm sacrilegious, because somebody wears a cross, I'm a Christian. I'm at this. I'm a Rosicrucian. I'm a, you know, in the old days, these people lived a lifestyle that was named that philosophy. It was a lifestyle. This is what we've lost now. Oh, I'm at this. I'm at that. Oh, I believe in Jesus. I believe in, you know, it is a lifestyle, not just a word. And now we're back to frequency and vibration again. When you end up truly resonating with your revelator, where you truly are walking in those footsteps, you will have everything that philosopher ever had contact with, you do because of the law of resonance. And the ancients knew this, which is why they constructed statues and act, and they acted like the energy pattern they wanted to resonate at, if that makes sense. By acting this way, by walking this way, you become that frequency and vibration. You become that individual, not just because you dress like them. You are them. And everything's in the Akashic records. Everything is in the computers of the cosmos. It was Paracelsus that also said, everything that exists outside of human beings, there is a foci or point within the humans 
the macrocosm, microcosm, that you can resonate. If you want to learn something, even though it's not your field, you connect with the foci within yourself of that whatever, and you will immediately be in contact with everything that's ever been discussed or brought up on that subject. So when you resonate with that individual, when you walk that individual, you become, you become overshadowed. Um, an example, if there is a light, if there is a light and there's a shadow over something, the shadow is on. It didn't become that, but the shadow's there. So when I am working and a spirit comes, they are overshadowing me with their intelligence. But I am still Steve Ross. But there's a shadow. That shadow for that moment is a part of me. Right. And is that a form of like quantum entanglement in a way? You're thinking it from a quantum physics point of view where you're establishing a resonance point and then you're accessing all of the data related to that in, in infinite real time. There, there's no Absolutely. time movement. It's the speed of thought. It, that, wow. That's huge. And you're saying that the ancients were aware of that and they actually oh, they, developed they techniques so to strengthen it. You know, I've written articles going, do uh, fast computers and beautiful looking cars make a culture smart? No. These people had infinite knowledge and wisdom thousands and thousands of years ago far beyond what we know today. In the old days, magic was somebody who learned the workings of nature. It was the churches that came and go, oh, ma magic is bad, it's the devil. No, no, no. In the old days, magic was a part of imagination. The ancient Greeks believed the greatest gift that God gave us, the Creator, was imagination, because with imagination, there are no bounds. There are no bounds. Behind me is a little plaque. I don't want to jump up because I realize you do have radio people. It was Paracelsus that said, the key to all manifestation, the key to everything that's ever been accomplished that people consider magic or impossible. Three words, imagination, faith, and will. Yes. You must imagine what you want. You must know it will take place and hold the course until it manifests because the universe must deliver as long as you hold it. Not like this. I want, I want this in my life. I want this house five seconds later. Well, no, let's make it this house. One minute later. No, maybe it should be a Winnebago or a car. If we can't hold it, the universe is just as, hey, what, 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 what's this person want? You imagine, you know it's going to manifest. That's why Jesus gave thanks before it was done. There was no question it's going to be accomplished. That's the difference right. between us. Yes, and that's also what Napoleon Hill talks about. Conceive, believe, achieve. If you can see it in yes. your mind, you can hold it in your hand, they often say, those great prosperity teachers. And that's the same concept. We have this power, the creative force. It's the same creative force that created the universe, the multiverse, everything within creation. It's that same thing. So 
that's how we manifest things. That's how the human being is special in a way because we have that ability to create something from nothing with our manifestation abilities, which again is tied directly to the source of all manifestation abilities. Right now, uh, I can look around here. I realize where you are, but I want everybody to visualize and look at everything in their room that is created by man and woman. Everything here first appeared as a thought in somebody's mind. Think about it. It didn't just, whoop. every single thing that we have achieved here was in the imagination, in the mentals of a person. And so this is why the ancients said, well, we are all in the thought stream of God, because it's the exact same thing. But we create by imagining and, and then creating. And so these are not new concepts. Um, unfortunately, and again, this is my own opinion, too many people in this, quote, new thought, I got the answer. I've been on the lectern with some of these people. They're great talkers, but they don't do it in their own life. I had a friend, Prosperity Consciousness, radio program out of San Francisco many years ago. Prosperity Consciousness, you can bring everything. We go out for lunch. I say to him, how's it going? Oh, Steve. I'm kind of sucking gas right now. Things are not happening. <clears throat> the money's not flowing. And I, I, I couldn't help it. What happened to your prosperity consciousness? We are big talkers, all of us. But few people actually demonstrate what they're talking about. Hey, there's a great course. It was Paracelsus again who said, there are no magic words. There are no jingles. There is no gyrations of the body. It's imagination, faith, and will. <laughs> and even Jesus talked about how saying mantras are essentially meaningless because the divine knows exactly what you need all the time. And, and there's no energy behind it. You right. know, this, this is this is the difference between a speaker who puts you to sleep because they're constantly reading their notes. Oh, and they're supposedly giving their words have no energy or power. People, people may not always understand a concept, but they can feel it. They know when somebody's got the goods. They they it, it reverberates. It touches that deeper over self. Emerson called it the oversoul. Paul Brunton, the over self. It is that higher aspect within us that kind of moves around and goes, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Pay attention to this. Yeah, this is good. But right. the other one, it's like just words, words with no power energy behind them. It is very interesting. There are people out there that are kind of preaching some of the things we're talking about, but not living it. And that is hard in a way because it, then it kind of soils it for the people that are out there and authentic, but why are the things that we're talking about now considered mystery school knowledge? A lot of the things we're touching on right now were what they would teach you in the mystery schools of antiquity. Why is that? Why are these magical things, this power that's innate and a part of nature and a part of ourselves, why was that pushed down and suppressed? Why, why isn't everyone out there in 2023 on this beautiful planet using their imagination to manifest things and all of those wonderful powers that we have? Why is that? We can go all the way back 
to the creation of a boogeyman. <clears throat> the, the boogeyman, the devil, is out to get you. But you know what, Jake? I can save you. You know what? I have a direct line to the energy that's going to combat this boogeyman devil. I'm the only one who has it. You have to join my church. You have to join my synod. You have to do this. And I am going to save you because anything else is the work of this boogeyman. And reminds me, it brings us into another story, if I may. Of course, please. I love this. It's beautiful. Go okay, ahead. So a pilgrim was leaving Constantinople to go on a little trip, and the plague was coming into the city. And the pilgrim goes, whoa, why are you here, Mr. Plague? I am here to take 5,000 souls. Well, the pilgrim was very happy that he was leaving the city, but six months later, he comes back into the city, and the plague is leaving, but 50,000 people have died. And the pilgrim says to the plague, I thought you said you came for 5,000 souls. And the plague said, I only took 5,000 souls. Fear took the rest. Dang. And so it is the fear that is within us that is the umbrella that blocks the sunshine of spirit, the energy from the founts of wisdom from coming to us. Fear, fear, fear that I've gone against what, quote, the elders, fears of what my parents, fears of society, fears of this, fears of that. It's a lack of trust that each one of us is directly. Why do I love dreams so much? And I've written a whole book on dreams because it's a direct contact. I don't need anybody else. I don't need uh, an intermediary between my dreams and myself. That is what we all have. It's fear and a lack of trust. Why is this still mystery? Now add to this, the people who do have this knowledge go, hey, I can do a couple courses here, maybe keep the people for three or four years, this is why sometimes I will give all these things in one in a one hour presentation, a two hour presentation, and tell the people, there you go. You don't have to pay thousands of dollars. This is how you do this. But it's let's hold this down. Let's keep this for ourselves. In fact, let's come up with another level. Let, let's make it a level 10 now. And you'll whatever. It's it's this constant rather than a beautiful heart, an open mind, and a humble spirit. Now, let's talk about what are people really striving for. I want to be able to do this. I want gifts. I, I want to be able to heal. I want to be able to levitate. I want to be able to manifest anything. Now, here's another story. The story goes like this. A yoga teacher in the very old days was going on a journey. And before he left, one of his students was sitting next to a pond, and he happened to say to the student, well, he noticed them there all day. Why are you there? Well, I am going to levitate across this pond. And the teacher said, oh, okay. Went on his trip, came back. Five months later, the student's still there. Two years, the student's still there. 
Three years later, the student runs to the master. Master, master, I did it. I levitated across this little pond. The master looked at him and said, how long would it have taken you to just stand down and walk around it? <laughs> A minute. So you took three years to do what? It's about the gifts will come to every one of your listeners when it's needed to help another person. You will get a woman lifts a car up when her husband is in the garage and it's fallen on his chest where the weightlifters can't do that. We do amazing things when we need to and we have to. So people may look and go, whoa, wait a minute. Uh, you know, I've got these courses and these people have just said that I'm going to manifest this. I'm going to tell you 99 times out of 100 the people take these courses and it doesn't happen. Right. Why doesn't it work? Why didn't it materialize? Why didn't this happen? Why am I still not able to, to do this? These gifts will come. You, you and I had a beautiful conversation before we were talking about, I asked you, what would you really love your listeners to get out of every one of your podcasts? Jake, you said it so beautifully to, that they're empowered that we're all one, that we can help and love each other. And in when you are like that, the gifts come to help another person. I absolutely guarantee that. But when we strive after, why are we striving after it? Is it ego? Is it for money? Is it for power? Then these things are kind of nebulous. They don't happen. Right. It has to be that selfless service. That service has to be the goal. And for me, I, I'd have to say it's kind of selfish. I just want everyone to be taken care of so I don't have to worry about them anymore because it hurts my heart when I have a big experience, maybe a psychedelic experience or some spiritual experience. And you think about the other beautiful humans on this planet suffering. I don't want them to suffer. It's totally selfish. I just, I want I everybody to be taken care of. <laughs> I agree. Did I, did I tell your audience they were lucky to have you? <laughs> Well, the thing is, is that what we're touching on again is that we have the ability to create our own reality. And because yes. of that, collectively, we can co-create our reality, which means we can create any reality that we can imagine. We talked about our imagination. If we utilize our collective imagination to create the world that we truly want, the true united earth, we can do that. And there is nothing that can stop that. Absolutely. I mean, I, I all I would do is be dovetailing on what you just beautifully stated. There is nothing. However, when somebody immerses himself in six hours of their TV blasting away, whatever party you like, and you constantly have these vibrations over and over, <clears throat> and you allow yourself to fall into what you think is something happening to you. Remember, we in, earlier in our discussion, thought is like the aroma of a rose. Yes. Most people don't realize, pick up, that's what it's called. You're picking up from another person, uh, their thoughts, and you think it's you. So a person may go, why am I feeling depressed, Jake? Uh, I have good things in my life. 
But my level of depression, well, it's coming from the TV. It's coming from people around. It's coming from things a person is bought into. And it just weighs and weighs and weighs. And this becomes the pervasive consciousness within an individual. Now, even in the in the Bible, Jesus was constantly off before he joined them because he had to center himself. He had to get back and center himself before he went out to do the things that he was going to do. People have said to me, well, I am much stronger than this. Well, maybe, but eventually your energy shield starts to crack and break down. And all disease is just this. Your immune system would protect you against anything. But as that gets lessened and the invading frequency is stronger and overpowers, this is when somebody becomes ill. So rather than have fear, oh, my God, if I don't wear my mask, oh, my God, this could happen. How about building your energy and say, hey, nothing is going to happen because I don't need that lesson. And it was Napoleon who went to the site of the plague. This is a, an incredible painting, a real, he went to where the plague was and intermixed himself. His troops were so afraid, they were a long way away because he said, and he told Goethe this, I am stronger than the plague. The plague is not stronger than I am. And his men followed him everywhere because it was like, whoa, this guy, He's not afraid of the plague. He's not afraid. <laughs> yes, in a lot of ways, it's fear that holds us back. Of course, we talk about false evidence appearing real, but it's really, it's probably primordial. It's probably fear of these intrinsic dangers that could happen, animals or lack of food. But then there's yeah. another side of that coin, and it seems like there are forces at play that are activating those techniques in order to suppress humanity's evolution and that understanding and growth. What do you personally think those forces are? Stupidity, ego. Here, here's the deal. I have a have tough time rationalizing that from the great creator God, who's all loving, there is a negative force running around that is so pow much powerful more powerful than you and I, that we're supposed to survive or we have to spend an eternity in hell because this force, which was equal to God and the angels, is there. And here we are, lowly little humans, trying to, to make it. I'm sorry, I don't buy it. What I do buy is this. We are thought formers. We are creators. My philosophy is we are down on the earth plane to demonstrate how we handle the creative energy given to us by God. Do we create groundswells or do we plant flowers? And it doesn't mean that you have to be an artist or a singer or a painter. It's what you do with this energy. Now, we can thought form anything. And when we thought form the boogeyman and continuously give it power and energy, it does exist. It really does exist. But is it relative or is it an absolute energy? No, it is a relative energy that we have created. Now, 
Manley Hall has, has stated this in his writings. One who believes in anger and negativity will draw all the anger and negativity in his close circle. And as it gets stronger from the whole city, from the whole state, from the whole country, from the whole world, from the whole universe, anything that's negative will resonate to my little negativity here. And if I'm in a car with four other people, Jake, you and I, and two other people riding in our car, you are positive and loving. You look and you go, oh, my God, that person just helped them. I look out and I go, look at this. There's a holdup over there. Or the sky, it's raining. Uh, you will find everything that you resonate with. And I know a lot of this, maybe your audience is going, geez, this is very simplistic. It is simplistic. We thought, form, and create all these boogeymen that were originally created so that I could look big. I am the high monkey monk. I am going to save you from this. I am of the church. I have a direct contact. And if I do something wrong, oh, my God, please forgive it. I mean, our system here of values and what we believe are quickly being shattered because people are going, well, wait a minute. The one who was supposed to protect me with the direct link of God just had an ultimate affair and did things with children. So what do we do? A beautiful heart, an open mind, and a humble spirit. Don't follow anybody. You can use them for good advice, but don't use anybody as a role model other than your own beautiful self. Huh. God, yes, that's so beautiful. But what you're saying, though, is, okay, so the thought forms through generations, yeah. thousands of years, have fed the reality of these entities. Right. So now in right. 2023, those thought form entities are real, and they are able to have an effect on the third dimensional reality hologram. Look at, look at what these people are saying. If you don't elect me, I'm protecting you. I'm going to make it a better. It's fear, fear. Here, here's my criteria. Show me a politician talking about beauty. Now I'm not going to buy into any of these people that tell me it's negative. It's wrong. It's this. I'm going to save you. We're going to hell in a handbasket. They don't talk about beauty. They're not talking about it. This is the, they're they're feeding this fear to the ultimate where we've split this country in half. It's think about it. Oh, it's I know. Fear. Oh my God! If these other people take over, we're, we're, everything's <laughs> going to fall apart. It's going to. What do we do? I'm going to run to Canada. I'm going to go to. We're Mexico. all going to die. <laughs> no, it's not. It's never going to happen, and it's terrible, and the world's going to end. And you know, it's this fear and this belief. Now, am I a Pollyanna? Everything is great. Steve Roscoe's everything. No, I realize these things are out there. I'm just not going to buy into them. I yes. don't believe, you know, people say, I got to get rid of my ego. If you got rid of your ego, you wouldn't exist as a person. What you should say is, I'm looking to spiritualize my ego. Without an ego and a personality, you wouldn't exist in this world. So it is about bettering by looking at ourselves and going, you know, what would my revelator teacher do in this case? Love. 
help. When somebody go in the politics tells me, oh, my God, we're giving money here. I'm a Christian. Jesus, excuse me, why don't you go back and read the story of what this individual was giving every penny in the shirt off his back, and then people have changed the wording. They, they changed the concepts. But go back to the, the original revelator, which is Jake, love, yes. beauty, and, and create your heaven on earth if there is such a thing. I personally have a problem with that because why did you and I come down out of spirit that spirit says beautiful and we came down here to create heaven here? No, that doesn't make sense. I've heard po- both sides, but I would say that that's a strong word to create like a utopian type scenario. But I do believe that humanity can evolve to a higher bandwidth and the things that we engaged in as humans, the really low frequency behaviors, the lowest frequency behaviors, we can get past that. So even though there is that yin and yang of the human experience, perhaps how we define the extreme darkness won't be as bad in that higher bandwidth existence. That's really what I think we can push for as humans. Yes, there is higher dimensions where it's all love and light and you're here in a material body to have that material experience. But there is it seems some sort of goal for the human race. It does seem like we have a mission or some sort of thing to accomplish collectively. Is that a question? (laughs) For some people it is. I would say for some people it is because some people do believe that we're just here to consume and get through our life experience, maybe learn a little bit, but they don't understand that, because we are all one, yes, your soul's journey is important for you, your soul, but there is also that collective experience. No, you're right. And, you know, a lot of times people ask me uh, what I think, um, why is this happening? Why is that happening? Why, why did God allow this and that? And, and here's what the ancients say. <clears throat> the earth plane is a schoolroom. And in the schoolroom, there are various, I hate to say grades, but let's say states of awareness. And in those states, and in here, we have everything from first to sixth grade. Now, you have people who, they wouldn't hurt a fly. They would not hurt another human being. Then you have people who go to war, and they don't care about human life, and off they go. Well, why? It's a schoolroom. And as people graduate from one state of awareness to another, you find they don't have the same doggy dog and I've got to have this. They become more spiritual and ethereal. And then they will graduate to another plane of existence. They don't, quote, die. They die to the physical eyes. So people say, oh, my God, there's a, it's going to happen at the whole world is going to jump up to an that's the equivalent of somebody going to an elementary school and saying you are now a college <laughs> i'm sorry there's all kinds of people we are here to demonstrate how we use that god-given creative spiritual life energy and here's my belief will it ever change here's the question If there is not something to confront us to make a decision, 
How do you grow? How would you grow if you do not have an opportunity to make a choice between this and this? Right. You do need to have the darker experiences to grow from. If it was just light, there wouldn't be that contrast. But no, there is. There wouldn't. Yes. Yeah, but it does. But, but I agree with you. I don't want you to think I disagree. Oh no, no. We, <laughs> we can create a beautiful. I am. All, believe me, I am all for that. All my presentations, my YouTube videos are all about. I have never done anything on politics or the negative. Um, it has always been the the positive, the uplifting, but people need to trust themselves. People need to have faith that they are unique, that they are beautiful, that they have unlimited capacity and capabilities. That is what you're sharing. And I am right there with you straight on. We have such abilities. But if you, the other thing is, if you don't put yourself in a position, how do you know? Example, you come across somebody who is a friend, an acquaintance, who is not doing well. And a little voice says, hey, once tap, why don't you tap the person on the forum? Why don't you tell them a joke? That is like the Oscar Mayer Wiener. Right. That is spirit saying, we can direct you to utilize your greater capabilities to help another human being, to help your brothers and sisters. Now, one of the greatest philosophers of all time is Pythagoras. Yes, I agree. Right triangle, the music of the spheres. Here's what he, the, he coined the term philosopher. When I come across, across those I meet and we share, I call them brother and sister. When I come across those that I impart, I call them son and daughter. And when I come across those who share, I call them mother and father. At any time, Jake, my brother, I may be your son. I may be your daddy. You're going to be my, from moment to moment, we can learn from everybody and everything with an open mind. Oh, yes. Oh, it's beautiful. Of course, that's Pythagoras. <laughs> well, what do you think about the Bodhisattva concept? Because there are these beings that, like you said, you can graduate and you go to that next experience. But then supposedly from the Buddhist teachings, there are some souls that choose instead of graduating to come back until everyone graduates. It's possible. It's possible. I'm not saying it's not. I've traveled, I've been with all religions, I've been to a lot of places. I think that those high energies are in the inner planes, and we have access to them. How many of those people we have walking physically here? Um, I don't think, I believe that every, that the angels are all around us, and they are our fellow man. They are the person who comes across you, maybe having, I don't know if you have rough days, but they may say, hey, Jay, I do have rough days. you know, what, what's cooking? What's cooking, my friend? And they, they say something, and you feel better when you leave them. So I'm going to ask you, is that not the high elevated person you just said? They did more for you 
in five seconds, then what, what are they doing? Right. What, what, what are they doing? I believe we're all that. Yes. When we care about another person and just think about how you've done it for other people and other people have done it for you. They, they had just the right thing at the right. Hey, what? Here's what they may say. Hey, Jay. Why is it that you and I buy our shoes at the same shoe store, but your feet don't seem to hurt? Here's what they're saying. What is your philosophy of life? How are you able to navigate and walk and things don't bother you? <clears throat> and you can then say anything you want. Well, I'll tell you, I have a diet of Twinkies. I believe in eating meat and uh, I, <laughs> I watch funny movies. And they're going to go, I'm all in. I'm buying Twinkies because you made me feel better at that moment. And you do. You just you leave the presence of some people and you just feel better. Those are the high in my sphere, not uh, the others. I, I try to make that a habit. I try to leave each person I interact with with the impression of increase. Like they they gain something, whether it's a joke or even a laugh, just some sort of gain by interacting with me. That that's you. And I could detect that the first minute we were we were sharing together. Um and, and that's a key. And if everybody looked at that and said, Hey, I may not be a hands-on healer, but if you get an awareness to do something for another person or even yourself, like Nike, just do it. And the more you do it, the more your own inner self will go, guess what? Today, Steve Ross is listening to me. My higher self is going, <laughs> yeah, he's not flying off the handle. He's not knee-jerking. He's listening. Okay, Steve, well, I got your attention. How about this? How about that? Once we get aligned with our own self by integrity. Now, what does integrity mean to me? Integrity means you stay solid within yourself. You, you, you live what you espouse. Now, I didn't say it's a particular way, Jake. I said you live in resonance how you speak and what you believe. That is integrity. And that aligns you to your higher self. Yes, it's a form of cohesion, you could say. It's like yeah. a laser bringing into focus. But since you just brought that up, I actually do want to ask you what you think about something. What do you think about the starseed concept? We touched on it just for a second earlier. But this concept that there are evolved beings, these consciousnesses that are manifesting here in the third dimension as humans to help us evolve. Have you heard about this? What in your Lord, studies I, have you learned I, about this? I, I live in Sedona. I don't know what you know about Sedona. <laughs> oh, I, love, I know Sedona. That's right. Yes, you're very familiar. I mean, there's a lot of extraterrestrial activity there. there there's, a lot, there's a lot of things. Here's our standard show. There's one radio station, but 10,000 channels. That's Sedona. We have channels. We have spiritual people. Here, here's my feeling. Of course, there are off-world entities that are here that are watching and observing how people expand, how they grow, how they are manifesting. Now, how much of an influence they have, <clears throat> everything I've been told is they are limited 
to how much interference they can do on this earth plane. They are limited because then they are taking away our free choice if they go so far. But are they walking in among us? Uh, absolutely. I, I am quite sure of that. You may be one with a disguise with Sony ear, ear pods here, but who's to say <laughs> with your evolved consciousness of helping all of humanity, which, you know, is more in vogue, but not everybody believes that. Right now it's like, hey, hey, I got to get, I got to take, I better get it while I can. While my people are in power, I'm going to screw people left and right. Hey, while I'm in this position, you have a universal consciousness of humanity. So are you a starseed person? I'm a very big believer in the starseed concept because it makes sense that if a being was evolved enough that it achieved a higher frequency united planet and then was able to interact with other beings within its own galaxy to then unite and become an even more evolved being and then you unite with the other galaxies kind of in your region which then kicks you up a notch or another octave you would of course as a high frequency loving being want to manifest into these other places where love and god exists but are in a lesser evolved state and want to help the evolution it makes sense to me you obviously watched Star Trek, the original series. I love Star Trek. Are you, I, I, I love it. I love all With the Captain Star Treks. Well, Picard <laughs> and Kirk, they're both equal in my eyes, but you know. <laughs> so that is all possible. But we've had, look, we've had this incredible conversation. We're just literally people, if you're listening to this, this is all off the cuff. This is just me and Steven having an open dialogue, a real human conversation. But part of the reason that he's here is to talk about one of his most recently released books, which is Rife Original Frequencies and the Mysterious Nemoscope. Now, he has several books, which we're going to talk about at the very end. But this specific book blew me away because I did not know that at the turn of the 20th century, there was this invention, the universal microscope, and then the nemoscope, which achieved 30,000 times magnification with a traditional lens microscope. It's, how did you How did you find out about this? Was it just another thing that you were guided to through dreams? Boy, what a lead in. You know, I would think you and I practice this because <laughs> <laughs> actually it was. I was doing research on color therapy, the use of the visible light spectrum, and was researching a Tibetan yogi named Dinsha Gadiali, who perfected a 12-color system. So I was gathering information, and one night I have a dream. And the dream said I was to go to a bookstore in my area called the Bodhi Tree Bookstore. I was to go to a particular bookcase in the used book section. I was to go to a particular shelf and put my hand behind the books <laughs> and I would find something. Okay. So I go to the Bodhi Tree the next day. I, I'm making a dramatic. I go to the used bookstore. I go to that bookcase. I go to the shelf. I reach behind and I pull out a book that was not visible to the eye. New, it was called New Light on Therapeutic Energies Out of Print. 
And I go, oh, my God. So I opened it up, and chapter three was on Din Shagadali in color. And I go, oh, my spirits are, that's great. So I go <laughs> home, and three chapters later, the Rife Universal Microscope far surpasses all of the scientific limitations. It saw the cancer virus live. And the scientists found that they could destroy 60 viruses and bacteria using frequency. And I'm going, I know. oh, my God, I, <laughs> I never heard of that. So I call my friend, Dr. Harry Lusk, who is president of Hollywood Presbyterian Hospital, 82 years old, uh, delivers babies. And I said, Harry, have you ever heard of something called the Rife Microscope? And Harry goes, <clears throat> You know, when I was a young man, already I'm thinking, geez, that's like 60 years ago. <laughs> he goes, there was talk of this super microscope, and I heard about it, but he said 10 years ago, Steve, and this was 1984, he said a man talked about it and said he had it, and I said, Harry, um, did you ever know, Steve, I tried to call the guy after the lecture. I had his number. He never answered. I said, Harry, can you can you give me his number? I, I want to pursue this. This is what I do. Harry said, Steve, I have no idea where the number is. I've moved three times. Okay. Next morning, telephone. Harry. Steve. Harry, Harry, what's up? Steve. I stepped out of bed. And the piece of paper with the phone numbers on the floor. I said, well, maybe you just are a poor housekeeper. He goes, no, that, that was not there. So I called the number, reached John Crane. One year later, I had the universal microscope. Nobody knew where it is then. Nobody knows where it is now. I had it for two years. I do know where it is, but... That was spirit-driven through a dream. So thank you for that, Lena, because I thought it was just doing color. The book, the book was behind all the other books. So nobody else could, could get that. So this universal microscope, which was developed in 1933 by Royal R. Rife, it was the most powerful microscope of its time, equal to the electron microscope, but then able to retain the life energy. You could almost watch it like you were watching a video camera. Well, it, it, that's right. Live. You can watch it live. Yes. Whereas with a, a electron microscope, you have to put the material in a vacuum. The material isn't even alive. You have to stain Correct. it with some chemical and hope you get this kind yes. of workable kind of image. This was like real time television. You're watching it. You're watching something called pleomorphism, which in scientific terms, one element mutates, pleomorphizes into another, a neutral bacillus coli into a deadly typhus virus. But here's what. It wasn't just a magnification. He was able, Rife, to illuminate any microvirus or bacteria to illuminate its life energy in a color. So when they looked through the microscope at a cancer, quote, virus, and it was a ruby red color, or a typhus, which was an emerald green color, 
the scientist, his group was able to go, wait a minute, color is a rate of vibration. If we're there's a ruby red color around this purported cancer virus, what happens if I go to the red frequency and what happens when a singer sings and hits a note, a man or woman? They can shatter glass. Right. And so what happens if we go to the red spectrum? So they slowly turn the dial, watching through the microscope. And when they hit a certain frequency, the color was out. The virus or microbe was dead. Dead. Now, they found that frequency for 60 diseases and illnesses. Now, how did they know it worked? They took a female, a woman's breast cancer tumor out, cut it in half. One half they injected in 100 albino rats. Every one of the rats developed cancer tumors twice the size of the rat. Then they used the frequency and all 100 rats returned to normal. Now we had the other tumor, half of the tumor. They radiated it with the frequency, injected that in another 100 rats. None of them got cancer. The frequency devitalized or destroyed the virus of cancer and 60 other diseases and illnesses. Now, why don't people hear about? Oh, by the way, who was it? E.C. Rosenau Mayo Clinic, Arthur Kendall Northwestern, Luell's Barker, John Hopkins, Royal Wright, USC. Less people think these were garage. These are the greatest researchers in the history of those institutions. Why don't we hear about it? It brings us into physics rather than chemicals and pharmaceuticals. <sighs> wow. So the ultraviolet color, the colors that they were emitting were the rate of vibration because colors and energy rate of vibration, they matched the frequency and then the vitality, the life force of the virus would be destroyed. Destroyed. Almost like antimatter and matter. They call it the mortal oscillatory rate. They found the MOR. And because of the counter-rotating prisms and this incredible device, universal by right, the color was something that they could see. And they, with the frequency generator built by Dr. Lee DeForest, the father of modern radio tubes, they just turned the dial once they got in the range. And when the color was out, it was dead. So they took, they took 20 <sighs> cancer patients to the Mary Ellen Scripps Ranch in La Jolla, California, 1936. And they used the frequency and 19 out of the 20 within 30 days did not have cancer anymore. The other person took more time. So the universal microscopes helped to identify the frequencies that were needed to disperse them, but it was the frequency generator in in tandem with that, that was able to then treat a living human being. Right now here, you're going to have people in your audience who have heard of Rife, and they have Rife frequency devices and Rife treatments and one thing and another. That's all nonsense. Here's really? why. In my book and what I have in the library is Rife's original laboratory book from 1933 with 60 frequencies. He did not come up with 
10,000 frequencies that are sitting in these people's right device devices. It isn't possible. And I finally decided, you know what? I'm just going to print all of the original ones in the book and tell the story because do I believe frequencies work? Yes. But Rife did not come up with the love frequency. I met someone who goes, I'm using Rife's love frequency. I go, what? <laughs> yes. Lo Rife's love. I said, he never worked on a love frequency. Where did you get that from? I got it from a website. And so in my book, I have two books, one with the frequencies. The other one is my experience as caretaker of the Rife. I use this example. You're a little younger than me, but when I was in elementary school, there was a, a, a game called Whispers. So the teacher would whisper something in one student's ear, and each student would turn to 20 other students, and the last student would say, garbage, yeah. because <laughs> it, it, it was just one thing passed to another. This is royal right. Unfortunate is all the stuff that came out. And I've said even in my book, The Caretaker, I have two Rife books. I even got a call in my office one day. Uh, I had six staff people, but I ended up taking the call. And the woman said, um, hey, I understand your founder was killed. Now, I'm a co-founder. And I go, really? Uh, where did you hear this? Well, I was in a rec room. And we watched a movie of Nikola Tesla by Orson Welles, which is very good. And then a man got up and told the story of the Rife microscope and how the founder, Stephen Ross, came out of his front door, was shot dead, killed, and the microscope was stolen, never to be seen again. And the government has it. And I'm listening. And she goes, did, did you know your founder well? And I said, actually, I saw him in the mirror this morning. <laughs> so you're like, by and, the way, and, uh... yeah. and I didn't walk out my front door with a 120 pound microscope. Yeah, I just said, go bebop out my front door. My point is, there's so much misinformation crap about Rife that even though I have 500 personal letters of all the doctors, we do have in a safe place the microscope. I can't even go out because people have screwed it up so badly. I've got a Rife device. My thing is better than Rife. It, it's just, uh, you can see that's my hot button because people have screwed it up. Well, they just exploited just like astrology and so many different things that have that core truth and then it gets distorted yeah, people want to make absolutely. money they create the apps and all of the things that we're talking about but people of the time mainstream scientists mainstream medical research teams did do work directly with rife and the universal microscope they discovered the poliomyelitis virus yes at the mayo clinic on the rife microscope and in my book i, I do put articles that appeared uh but the problem was it never came in the AMA journal. And it, it, it was because, again, the AMA started taking money from pharmaceuticals. This puts us into the area of physics. The electron microscope came out at the same time. It does 2 million 
Rife's only does 60,000. But here's the difference. You said the Electron, you can't watch anything live. But with the Rife, you could. Now imagine Rife's did 60,000 and and another microscope in the 50s, the Nemoscope did 3.5 million and you could see uh, atoms. Now they, they have a hard time doing that now. And when pictures have from the nemoscope have come on the internet, you've got physicists and doctors going, oh, that's crap. That's Photoshop. I got news for them. There was no internet or Photoshopping with, I have the original book also, another way we're caretaking these things in the library. It was not Photoshop. Right. It was a technology that we were here and then we've gone down. Well, you, like you said, the polio virus was discovered at the Mayo Clinic with that. And there were also other scientific and medical advancements that were achieved because of the universal microscope. Yes, ab- absolutely. Many, many. And uh, I think when people really hear the story from the source, I will tell you, nobody who's alive now has seen that Rife microscope, has read all the letters, but they're writing articles, they're doing websites, they have all the answers. I I question that. I really I really do because um, they're they're saying things like I said the love frequency ten thousand frequencies in my Rife machine. So I'm not the policeman of the world. I don't go out there. I'm not smiting the enemy. Sure. Um, I believe in one thing: spread love, baby. Yes. Absolutely. And that's where we're in complete harmonious resonance. But you just said it earlier. You have the universal microscope. You only you know where it is. Where did you get it? You finally had to receive it at some point. Yeah, but that's the whole story in my book. I hate to say it like this. I believe you and I could talk five hours. Of course. Um, my God, it's been, I, I, I just looked at the timer. I'm like, oh, wait a second. <laughs> We've been talking for you quite have, some time. that much time. But in my book, <laughs> The Caretaker, and that's on my website, um, I talk about that story of how we ended up, how I had it, and then it was taken away, and then it came back again with my associates. So... Um, it's not sitting with the Ark of the Covenant. What was the end of that movie? <laughs> Indiana uh, Jones. That's exactly Indiana. what I was thinking about. Raiders <laughs> of the Lost you know, Ark, I believe. I, I can't tell you how many people go, oh, my God. <laughs> Here's what they go. Have you ever heard of the Rife? I just, you ever heard of the Rife microscope? I go, yes. They go, yeah, the government has it in a warehouse. I go, no, they don't. The FDA <laughs> stole it. No, they don't. All that is. So, well, I guess then I should just ask you, because I know we, we, we are running out of time, but I do want to ask you, why isn't it out in the public? Why aren't you because, letting people see it? Why, why, why can't we use it to make new the, photographs? The, because everybody associated with it has fallen into bad times or dead. Oh, boy. I mean, I'm being very simplistic here. The individual who's caretaking it right now uh, knows all the stories. And just think about this. The microscope didn't cure, but why are they hiding? What well, every person that developed a new microscope won a Nobel Prize except for right. <laughs> and it's because it brings us into physics. It brings nice. us into frequency. And it is cancer is the biggest business right now. 
health is the biggest business. And without being negative here, uh, you're interrupting a big, big business. So somebody comes down and goes, oh, here's the rifle microscope really did exist. Well, I've done as much as I can. I put original pictures with me having it. I put his original logs. I put the whole story about it. Maybe someday an opulent person will show up, support the electromagnetic spectrum and this work of Rife and Nemus and countless others, and we will get rid of this archaic medical system which says, if you have cholesterol, side effects of this drug is a rare but fatal brain disease that you will die from. I mean... (laughs) Come on. It's like bizarro world. The aliens, those higher frequency beings, the angels, they must think that stuff is just so strange. So strange. But the Rife microscope that we're talking about, you can find all of this information in that book, Rife Original Frequencies and the Mysterious Nemoscope. And just to touch on the Nemoscope a little bit, this is a different microscope that could achieve even bigger magnification, higher magnification. And that also is missing now. Now, that one you do not have possession of. No, no, that that one was stolen uh, in 1953. It was being repaired in a camera shop in Studio City, California. However, their lab books with all the original pictures of magnetic flux lines, of energy holding atoms together, of energy fields was off the premises and held by a woman named Betty Lee Morales. And I met her for 15 minutes, many, many years ago. And about 10 years after we met, a lawyer called me up and goes, is this Steve Ross? Yes. Can you prove you're Stephen Ross, who had an office called the World Research? Well, yes, I'm Stephen Ross. Here's my job. No. Can you prove? Well, how do you want me to prove it? Um, Do you have utility bills. I said, no, I just moved from Los Angeles to Sedona. I'll I'll send you newspaper clippings. Okay. Well, who was he? He had a box sealed from Betty Lee Morales' estate that said to be given to Stephen Ross, World Research Foundation. And he hunted me down. And in the box was all of this material from the nemoscope. Oh, my God. And, it, and this is some of the pictures that ended up in the book. That's in the book. So uh, the, the last book you mentioned, The Right Frequencies, The Mysterious Nemoscope, are all of the pictures from the lab book, all of Rife's frequencies. And my other book, uh, Royal Rife, um, by being a caretaker, um, that tells the story of how I received these the story of spiritual intervention, but the actual juice is the right frequencies and the mysterious. Well, we're definitely directing people to some really good information. If you check out those books, we've had an incredible conversation, Stephen. Oh my God. Like I literally lost track of time. I was so focused on what you were saying. I had no idea how much time had passed, but before we go, and we're going to touch on your books that you wrote, Are you still involved with the World Research Foundation? Oh, yes. Oh, yes, absolutely. The World Research Foundation holds all the information on alternative medicine, holistic approaches. This is part of the library. We have packets on 350 diseases and illnesses, 
some of them 500 pages thick. We've gone through our library. Let's take diabetes, arthritis, cancer. What do they have to say in acupuncture? What do they have to say in magnetism, color therapy, herbs, vitamins? We Xerox three pages out of books, put it in those packets. And yes, um, that is original, original information from doctors, researchers on alternative medicine. Then my site, uh, lesscomplicated.net, is the spiritual, the metaphysical. Now, why didn't I put it all together? Because when I do lectures and conferences in medicine, I have tried to be careful that they don't go, hey, wait a minute, this guy's talking about spirits and esoteric. So that is the difference. I, I'm just as active in, in both of them. Um, by the way, the Advisory Board of World Research has had Brazorin Nordenstam, the chairman of the Nobel Assembly. We've had top physicists and scientists while they were alive. So it is coming from reputable places. And the spiritual esoteric is th the same coming from original mediums, channels, philosophers, as far back as we can get. <laughs> well, obviously we have to have you back on because we're just kind of touching the tip of the iceberg of these huge concepts, but what a beautiful yeah. conversation we've had. And I do want to, again, tell people where to find you, even though you just brought it up. Lesscomplicated.net is one website. WRF. Dot org. That's the World Research Foundation, WRF.org. You can find out a lot there. And, of course, all the books that Stephen's written. Oh, my God. Let's just read the titles really quick. First, of course, is the book that we were touching on, Rife Original Frequencies and the Mysterious Nemoscope. And there is another book, And Nothing Happened, But You Can Make It Happen, A Grand Design of Dreams, Contemplating Divine Revelation, Manly P. Hall's unpublished pages of the secret teachings of all ages. My God, we didn't even touch on that. That's a whole episode in itself. Stephen was just talking about this. Royal R. Rife shattered my personal experiences with the Rife Universal Microscope. There's poetry and other channeled information, which is all available on Amazon and also, again, on his website, lesscomplicated.net. Stephen, thank you so much for being here. What a great episode. Jake, I want to tell you this. I never take anything for granted. I don't take our interview for granted or your listeners. So I humbly thank you for the opportunity to share. Oh, well, we're very grateful that you were here. We're all sharing. We're just sharing together because, again, like we were saying, we're all one. So we're all just helping each other get to that place, wherever it is. So thank you again, Stephen. Please hold through the outro music. And everyone, fantastic episode. Check the website. Check out the books. And we will see you next week, Midnight on Earth.